Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is The Swiftcast, coming up on this episode. Zwift and British Cycling, their new best friends, this could be a big deal. Private meetups, is this going to make Zwift social again? Level 50 is here, are you an accelerator or just confused? And a long-term review of a popular trainer by a real Zwifter. They're the regulars, they're present, they're correct, all is well in the world. My fellow Zwiftcasters, Shane Miller and Nathan Guerra. Good day, Shane. Word reaches me you've been stricken by some kind of hideous virus, my friend. Yeah. Too many air miles, I think, isn't it? Too many air miles, breathing in all that recycled stuff. I tell you what, crikey, jet lag is one thing, but jet lag plus man flu is something else. I am flat this week, flat as can be. Yeah, well, you and me both, mate, with that problem uh, with the bike. Uh, we'll get onto my knee later, no doubt. Um, Nathan, yo, dude, uh, two crocs here. I hope you're in better health, fella. This time of year, usually I start putting in, like, big miles and immediately I, like, get sick pretty quick because I just overdo it. <laughs> but, um, I again, the same as Shane, though, I need to start putting in the uh, the miles, I guess I'll say. The, the the old school old old money but um yeah definitely feeling good and uh ready for another swiftcast okay well let's get on with another swiftcast uh, we're going to discuss all the things that i just said we're going to discuss but um the, a bit of breaking news actually fellas i don't i don't think we'll cover this here but we will preview it here uh, literally literally a press release has flooded in entitled Zwift launches first esports pro cycling league quite a big deal this i think and we'll get on to it later because uh literally 5 minutes before we began recording this arrived so we we will digest and analyze later on so but let's start with our updating our little guessing game on peak swifting this season because uh, things are really kicking off now in terms of indoor cycling um, the measure we use, which is actually pretty much the measure that Zwift uses as well, actually, at least in public, is is number of concurrent users. Um, I think we've already passed 8,000, which was something like last season's peak. If we've not bettered or matched last season's peak, we're pretty close to it. Um, as you know, fellas, I interviewed Eric Min on the last episode. He joined in our little game, predicting peak Zwift of 15,000. That was the CEO's guess. Same as your guest last time, Nathan. Shane, you were 11,111, I think. All the ones, anyway. And I went for some kind of compromise middle figure, I think, of about 13,500. So, updating or changing. Nathan, are you still on 15? I'll, st- I- I'll stay at 15. Because, I mean, if eight is last year... A little less than double, maybe. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good guess. I think it was a good guess. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with what Eric said, too, so... 15 sounds good. Well, it's always a good idea to be in the same same ballpark as, as the chief exec. I mean, all the signs are... I know you watch Google Trends as well, um, uh, Shane, but all the signs are... Things are... You know, there are more and more and more and more Zwifters in the world. I was talking to Eric Schlange from Zwift Insider the other day. His traffic numbers are the highest they've ever been, which is making your guess, my Australian friend, of just over 11,000 look... 
a little conservative. Care to, care to revise? No, look, I've just opened up the Zwift Companion app now. And at this point in time, although it's a different time everywhere else in the world, uh, there's only 1,417 people on. So I'm holding tight with all, all the ones, 11,111. Uh, I don't think we'll hit over 10,000, actually. I might even reduce it. But let, let's hold tight at eleven. Oh, Shane was very pessimistic. Mm. You can't be, you, you, the Australians mm. are normally of a sunny disposition and, 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 and take an optimistic view of the world, <laughs> I find. Uh, this is a bit, of a bit of a divergence from national stereotype here, my friend. Yeah, no, look, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing the numbers that I would want to see, so I'm holding tight, yeah. Mm. Tough taskmaster. Okay, well, uh, let's crack on with some other things. Um, um, actually, <laughs> you, you, you two, let me go without asking me whether I'm going to revise my figure. I am actually. I'm going to. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to follow the herd uh, and go. Uh, I'm going. I am going to revise upwards. I do think we'll hit fifteen thousand this season. Uh, and uh, if people are interested in this, t- Tuesday is the biggest day. Uh, always, which makes sense, doesn't it? Because kind of everybody takes Monday as a rest day. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people do. And they're all gagging to get back in the saddle by Tuesday. And um, around about uh, 6 to 7 p.m. GMT is, 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 I think, is the peak period. I think that's when all the kind of uh, uh, most riders converge to to hit this highest concurrent number have you ever talked to john about this number shane i i I did once but have you ever asked him whether it is actually you know completely and totally real-time accurate no i haven't actually spoken to him on this particular uh but i think everybody now has the companion app and is seeing so as soon as it does bump up any higher than what it's been i think we'll know about it pretty quick well i did ask john once actually and and he it is completely accurate what what you see is actually literally what is happening on the servers. I mean, you know, we all know these like things that you see sometimes that are not quite telling the full story, like the countdown to the sale offer on the website. But uh, <laughs> I'm assured by John that the uh, the concurrent users figure is absolutely real time, 100% accurate. So worth keeping an eye on that one. Right on. Okay, well, uh, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Um, so let's give you two uh, a chance to talk. And let's start with... There's so much Swift news around. Let's start with what I think is going to prove to be the most significant of Swift news. Uh, that, that's all the, all the flood of news that's been out in the last few weeks. And that's the arrival in, in sort of a soft launch form of private meetups. Um, this was included in the update to the companion app, which we'll talk about uh, a bit more in a, in a little while. These private meetups are limited to 50 people per ride at the moment. There's no rider culling. So your private group does still ride amongst the throng. Uh, throng. <laughs> throng. Throng. Just still ride amongst the throng. But if people follow you on Swift Companion, it's kind of really, really easy now to organise a private ride or maybe a race. Um, There's much, much more to the update of Swift Companion. We will get on to that in a minute. Um, And if you're not using Swift Companion, well, uh, why why not now would be the question, I think. Anyway, Shane, about time we heard from you uh, for real. Um, Do you share my views on the importance of, of private meetups? 
Well, I like the idea of riding around in a thong because if it's a nice warm day, um, we can choose our own kit. But, uh, but, but that aside, I think this is actually a big one, a really big one, because it places the control of events in the hands of the users. Well, kind of. There's a few things that need to be added, such as web link invites, world selection, uh, and a few other things. But look, this is a big move, which will allow people like, well, who people who run spin studios, cycling clubs, teams, even people like ourselves, we can hold our own events independent to the Zwift HQ scheduling so i've always hoped to see where a world where zwift maintain the reality or the virtual reality where it's the platform where we ride and run and do all the worldly things and the users are given control of how they use that reality so this is the first step into awesome i really like this feature and i can't wait to see you know episode two or sorry version two version three version four of this and what you know where it leads to First step into awesome. Magnificent phrase. You ought to work in Swift marketing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I agree. I mean, I, there's a, like many cyclists, I'm on a little WhatsApp group of um, ad hoc riders who ride together. Um, we're, we're part of a club, but, you know, these little groups spring up all over the place. And, and one of the first things uh, after this feature that was launched that appeared on that WhatsApp group was, hey, hey, lads, should we organise a, a Swift ride using this new feature? So, I, I mean, I do think... Uh, it will be extremely well used. Will it change Swift, Nathan? Uh, I don't Well, the basic nuts and bolts, no, but it, I think the social aspect is definitely going to increase uh, as far as people, you know, organizing events. I think there's stuff, obviously, for people who want to run and have somewhat of more private races, like if there's, you know, people who want to race against specific people or, or, or leagues we could see that develop around that where the community has more control about who's able to enter their races. We talked a little bit about less social, the more people. And so, you know, it would be cool if they did call. But, I mean, yeah, it's the first version. The only thing that's weird to me is, like, I want to know how many people use the companion app to the percentage of people who are using Zwift. Um, and then how many people are missing out on this feature not being in the in-game app. So I, I open up Overwatch. I go to want to play Overwatch with my friends. And with my mouse, I go click, click, click twice. And I have invited all my people to my group. And now we go into a game. And it's a very quick and easy um, thing. It feels a little bit clunky right now, finding each one of the people and how you have to connect with them well. So I think there are some like things that can get smoothed out. But as far as the idea goes, yeah, it's a big game changer for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not beta, but but it is, it is pretty much soft launch. I think they know how popular it might be. So there's a little bit of a, a, a caution around, re, you know, releasing it and absolutely fully featured exactly how you would definitely want it, um, version of it. Um, I mean, it's limited to 50 and... And it has been quite low key in terms of promotion, I think. But certainly a shareable, a shareable link uh, that was that was top top of my list. I know it's something that's been considered internally, but um, I I do think this will genuinely, genuinely help Zwift to become a, a more social place. Shane, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. For all the reasons above and uh, yeah, all the reasons we haven't thought of yet. But uh, good point there by Nathan as well about how uh, easy it is in other platforms to just click through and get things sorted. So um, yeah, from the main screen, because I think that's going to be a big one for, as I said, spin studios or clubs who just want to spin up an event straight away. It'll just happen so easily if you could just click through in the game itself um, and be there front and center. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I, I, uh, one of you, I think, 
Nathan said, I'm not quite sure how many people use the companion app. Now, I, I don't know this. I think I once heard, uh, I hope I'm not disclosing any secret information here, and it's probably out of date anyway, but I think I once heard some little while ago that only about a third of Zwifters use the companion app. Shane, does that, have you ever heard anything like that? I, I've heard a figure before, and I thought it actually surprised me at the time. It was higher than I thought. So I think it might, well, I think it was somewhere around that, maybe even half. Um, but again, it's, but it's, it's something people need to do. It just adds so much more now that there's so much more packed into it. And it's not just this feature as well as a number of other features. So, yeah, good stuff. There are. And we're, we're, going, to, we're going to cover those in due course because the companion app has effectively been completely relaunched. Um, and uh, uh, part of that actually is, um, I mean, you know, I think it's fair to say that some of the biggest changes to the game are actually happening within the companion environments at the, at the moment. Um, because the other big new refinement that really caught my eye is, is analysis of activities. Much deeper view available, more graphs, more data, ability to comment on your own and other people's rides. And even race results in there. They're not filtered, uh, as you'd see in Swift Power, but race results are in there. Shane, I'll come to you on the inevitable comparison that's bound to be drawn with Strava in a moment or two. But Nathan, the inclusion of race results in Swift Companion, that kind of feels like a big deal. How, how do you see that? A lot of people are like, well, where are the results? And all you would have was the screen at the end, and then it's gone. If you didn't get a screenshot, you didn't have anything to kind of hold on to. So now that it's in the companion app right in front of you, I think that that also is another draw to the app, obviously. Um, not having to open up another website was with power.com necessarily. Um, you, didn't, you weren't able to find a result anywhere. So now that I think that's pretty cool now that I can jump in and see my history within the app on things that are more meaningful to me, like a race result. So I think that's a pretty big change, actually. Um, Shane, this comparison with Strava, I mean, absolutely not, say Zwift. Uh, and they could not be firmer on this. I mean, they're actual words from somebody senior. Absolutely not. We are not competing with Strava. Um, but <laughs> this looks like it might have some similarities to some services that Strava offer and and that would Strava be much more aggressive on pricing now I mean the free products is is nowhere near as useful as it used to be still very useful but but not as useful as it used to be I mean if say Zwift started perhaps at one point including outside rides in the activity feed and and you know there's not the slightest shred of evidence that they have any plans to do this but we can speculate because it's fun I mean if that was happening that could be a reason you know the activity feed could possibly persuade people that they don't need Strava in their lives anymore. Yeah, look, what's with companies being all nice these days and putting spins like that on things? Look, when you're going to replicate functionality of other services, just own it. <laughs> it's obvious to everyone what they're doing here. I understand that Zwift are probably Strava's biggest customer, um, but there's no dancing around the fact that what they're providing is the same kind of activity analysis, which is cool. I love it. It's great. It keeps people within the Zwift service and not jumping over to Strava to review their rides. Although it's only on mobile, I'd love to see this pulled over to the web as well and then taken to the next step, which would then be to track fitness and form over time. If you see where I'm going with this, this is a sort of, I think I said this is a first time because that's exactly what Strava do. Look, Trainero did that the other week and it's been very popular for them. It keeps people in the same, uh, in the same ecosystem, in the same garden, I guess. And uh, yeah, to put this onto the web as well and track multiple rides, not just to analyze one, although it is a pretty cool feature. This will just put another 
nail in the coffin of Strava, um, which is exactly what this is. Um, and as, as for pulling in outside rides, oh, for sure. I have no problems at all saying it either. If I'm wrong, that's great. But this is, I'm the end user here and I'm the customer. So we've got to be right, don't we? And what I'm seeing in front of me is the same, same. It, it, but it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Um, look, and if they were to pull in outside rides, as you were saying, look, we could then start pulling in XP points and level ups from outside rides. And just, again, keeping everybody within the Zwifty garden, which is exactly what every single computer brand or IT brand, or I mean, everything's an IT brand these days, what every every brand does online. Facebook wants to keep you in Facebook, YouTube wants to keep you in YouTube, Twitter in there. Why doesn't Zwift? So this is exactly where they're heading. Yeah, well, that's a very, very good point. And I mean, the other thing is, you know, I mean, they're dancing around and, and playing nicey-nicey with Strava and, and, and guiding that they're not competing and, uh, when uh, the likes of you think they clearly are. But but, but competing is a funny thing here, isn't it? Because Strava don't have an, uh, you know, okay, they thought of it first or thought of it best or did it best and first. But that doesn't give them a monopoly on the analysis of athletic data, you know. So why shouldn't Zwift um, provide a nice detailed activity feed with lots of lovely charts and, and graphs? I suppose the very, very biggest thing, the biggest, biggest missing step, which one of the others took, I think, was it Trainer Road, was the incorporation of outside rides. I mean, Shane, could you ever see, could you ever see Zwift doing that? That would effectively be parking tanks on Strava's lawns. Yeah, look, I hope so. Um, again, because it consolidates everything. I've spoken before about, you know, how many extra subscriptions do we want to sign up for per month? We've got Dropbox and Netflix and Zwift and this and that. This could then sort of incentivize people to stay within the Zwift garden, which is a good thing. So, yeah, look, I hope, hope for that to be true. And, uh, well, Zwift even sell a footpod now, which works outside. So, you know, you could see an emergence or a convergence of uh, just being an activity platform. Um, and if that competes against Strava, so be it. Strava need to kick up the um, um, digital backside um, for innovation. And if they're not going to do it, if Zwift come along and do it, brilliant. Yeah, I must say I find it difficult to disagree with with any of that. And, of course, Zwift do want to be more than a cycling platform. They want to be a fitness platform. Just, just out of interest, Nathan, do, are you still a heavy user of Strava? Do you pay for any Strava services? I got that little pro badge thing, so I've never paid for, for Strava oh. service. But, <laughs> but um, now they might take it away now because I don't use Strava much anymore because I use Zwift to go along with Shane. I mean, uh, I see everything that I kind of need to see now when I end my ride. Who gave me ride-ons, who I rode with, what my course was, what my data looked like as far as the peak powers and everything. And that's really all I ever used it for. Um, you know, and now that I can see who I rode with on the app over here, I mean, it really, I get to go along with Shane on that point. I don't really, I think I visit once in a while just to kind of see who's interacting a little bit. Um, you know, if there's a comment or something, cause I still save it to Strava, but I like literally it's maybe once a month or something, maybe not even that. Interesting. And of course the aspect we've not, <clears throat> not even discussed is, is, is the, the, the kind of social media uh, tilts uh, of, of the, the revision of the companion app now with the ability to, or the much easier ability, the much more slick ability to comment on people's rides and get get some community going there, Shane, you know, in, in much of the way that Strava tried to do and failed. Did they fail or did they not fail? I've certainly never used really used Strava as a social media platform. 
I do. I've actually got a bit of a following on Strava. So I've got 15,000 followers over there. So I get quite a few comments and there's quite a few good discussions on every activity that I do. So I've used that on Strava quite a bit. Um, it's good to see it in the mobile app with the Zwift stuff. But the one thing I do love is the new map is where you actually view your activity. It shows you where you've ridden and where the thumbs up came along. So what's what's hilarious is it shows you exactly where that thumbs up was you know, given to you on the course. And if you do the Aussie Hump Day ride and you get the thunderstorm where everyone just rides along and gives everyone thumbs up for about five minutes, it overloads the screen. It's hilarious to look at. So if you've ever been part of the um, the Hump Day ride, load it up in the companion app, have a look at your activity, and the thumbs just like blast down at that section. It's really cool. Well, let's just conclude this little section of the Zwiftcast with 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 a reminder. Actually, I'm sure every Zwiftcast listener does use the companion, but if you're not using Zwift companion, I mean, you really ought to. It now is. I mean, you see, like I say, I think it's effectively been relaunched, and it now is a really, really, really powerful tool. Okay. Well, there are even more new features in the game, in the game proper, and we'll tackle those later. But let's just deal with another another Zwift newsquake, uh, and that's the partnership with British Cycling. Now, with apologies to listeners around the world, but I, I do think this is still of an enormous interest because of A, what it is, and B, because I'm absolutely certain other national federations must be looking at this with, with great interest. So this is a, an official partnership between British Cycling, which um, I'm sure everybody knows is the... Um, is the National Federation for Cycling in the UK and the power behind much of the cycling success, certainly on the track and arguably on the road, that's um, accrued to uh, to the UK in recent years. Um, it's a partnership between them and Zwift. And, and the basics kind of include uh, this. So there's going to be an inaugural British Cycling and Zwift e-racing championships which is a series of qualifying races culminating in a live finals event in February or March next year. There'll be structured training plans available in game to British Cycling members with virtual rides and that kind of thing alongside the GB team. And there'll also be exclusive in-game items for participants. Um, Okay, well, instead of talking to Swift, I thought it'd be interesting to talk to British Cycling about this. So I sought out the man who helped broker this partnership and uh, asked him a few questions. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to James Young from British Cycling. James, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. So let's have your title in its full glory, please. I'm the Senior Commercial Manager here at British Cycling. So I've been working very closely with the guys at Zwift to, uh, to tie up a partnership for the next two years. This partnership, it carries implicit or actually even explicit endorsement of Zwift by British Cycling. And, you know, you're the national body. There's no little prestige there. Did these discussions involve a lot of kind of agonised head clutching in Manchester because of the endorsement that they carry? We're a very curious organisation with innovation at our hearts. And when we recognised what was happening in the wider esports community, the way that we position ourselves means that we have, to, we have to investigate where the opportunity might take us. Does this suggest that virtual or indoor cycling is coming of age now as a, as a, as a serious cycling discipline? I, I think there's a, there's a long way for it to go. And I think there's a serious case to be made 
for uh, e-racing to start to take a little bit more of the public interest, and I think that's what we're that's what we're very excited about. I mean, as as you reference, BC's always had a reputation for innovation. You know, the secret squirrels and those extra special round wheels that so upset the French. Who who can who can forget those? I mean, is this part of of all that? Again, we're very early in in our in our partnership here, but it's certainly. Uh, a reflection of our curiosity of how a partnership of this nature can take it forward. We're looking at, for example, talent identification as being one of the main reasons for or rationales behind the partnership. Um, unearthing sort of raw talent that might have escaped our clutches or gone into other sports further down the line, um, then then that that's what really gets our, uh, our our cycling team really excited. What was my next question really? Was what you hope to get out of it? I mean, I'm guessing extending the talent trawl is is a key driver for your interest in the partnership and and obviously driving membership of of british cycling i mean are those those the two most important things or there was three three main pillars for our partnership and the, i think the first one was uh, sort of recognizing that a a virtual platform removes certain barriers from participation so when we're talking about uh, kids of, uh, you know, 12 or eight, even younger, eight to 12 going uh, and participating in cycle sport, uh, one of the first sort of, um, uh, sort of barriers that you come across is uh, perceived lack of safety on the roads or some elements to that. And, and this, is a cert- this, this certainly sort of removes that straight away. Uh, um, the second point was exactly that, and, and following perfectly onto that, is widening the talent pool and deepening the data that we have on that talent pool as well. And the third option is just innovation at the centre of cycle sports. Yeah, yeah no, I think people will see the rationale for that. Now, James, I mean, there is, there is a race involved here at the heart of this and a national championship to be won. And unfortunately, wherever people race bikes, there are a very, very small number of people who also cheat. And, uh, you know, we do know that this happens on Zwift. With you lending your name to Jersey here, is the cheating aspect a worry to you? And have you, have you spent time discussing, you know, what might be able to be done to counter it? I think it was it was very high up on our agenda when we when we first started talking to Zwift, and it's and it, it it remains paramount to us that any competition has an authenticity to it. We look to treat the sport as a real real version of cycling, so anything that applies to uh, the outside cycling, outdoor cycling will apply through, uh, we're relevant to, to Zwift. So we're talking about um, working alongside uh, UK anti-doping on this and having a, you know, a similar kind of process there. It's then looking at sort of technical cheating within the game. And obviously the one that keeps coming up again and again is around weight. So uh, there's certain sort of mechanics that the, guy, the technical guys at Zwift are looking at and how we can overcome that. The format of the competition is weighted against that. So by having a, a real life competition in a live event, event environment will hopefully do go to a certain point as being you're going if you're if you are uh, cheating then you will be found out yeah, and found out in public and, and that to an extent will have a self-policing element to it now i mean the winners of the of the live final they they will get to where i'm assuming national champs stripes of some kind how's that going to work uh, they will wear a jersey of some of some description that will definitely have a nod to our national championship stripes. Whether it is a replica jersey is yet to be uh, fully uh, thought out with our uh, with our regulation. There's no doubt, James, that there's an element. I mean, I think it's a small and in fact diminishing element, but there is an element of the cycling community that's still just that little bit sniffy about Swift. Major- 
majority of the audience that we've spoken to and come back to and fed back to us have been incredibly excited and positive about the announcement of the partnership. I mean, that needs to be underlined in its entirety, of course. There's people that would question where our priorities lie and what what does British cycling have any business going into sort of you know, e-racing or e-sports. You know? But actually, I think there's a, a real case to be made for one, again, sort of validating what is an incredibly exciting uh, opportunity to, uh, around e-sports itself. I mean, do you think, and I'm asking you to speak corporately here on, on BC's behalf, do, do you genuinely think that indoor cycling stands a, a reasonable chance of evolving into a proper, let's call it, you know, a proper sport, um, even perhaps with inclusion in, in the Olympics in, in due course? I think, I think it's got a long way to go. For inclusion in in the Olympics and becoming a, a a a proper sport, as you said, I think it has a it's it's got a long way to go. But I think the it, it the opportunity is certainly there. I, we that's we wouldn't be we wouldn't be getting involved with a partnership of this on this like like this on this scale unless we thought there was a greater opportunity there. Um, and we think the. Uh, yeah, we think the journey might be a bit of a long one, um, and I think it'll be, be, be uh, there'll be plenty of arguments that we need to make on both sides. Uh, but I think it can it can get there. So, in in short, I think yes, but it's got a it's got a long way to go, and, and many minds to change. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, thank you for your frankness and your candour and your time. As as somebody who is a Zwifter, a British cycling member and, and a kind of a great a to hear. Enth- yeah, enthusiastic <laughs> proponent of indoor cycling in general as a complement, not a replacement to outdoor cycling, um, I, it does really sound like a proper exciting partnership, this one. Um, and thanks very much indeed for taking the time to, to give us so much detail about it. Thank you very much, Simon. Well, chaps, as I said in the interview there, I mean, this is no kind of two-bit partnership with a, with somebody that nobody's ever heard of. This is, you know, this is British Cycling, pretty much the most winningest national federation on the planet over the last decade. And as cropped up in that interview, a big reputation for innovation. I thought our man from, from British Cycling sounded enthusiastic but cautious. Um, step one of a long journey, Shane, I think this one, isn't it? I think this is good news for everybody in the UK, which is probably about, what, a quarter of all Zwifters, but I'm on the other side of the fence. So for me, nothing really applies here. It doesn't have any impact on my Zwift experience. I think I'd be more comfortable if two things were tidied up here. If it was marketed and promoted only in the UK, because the rest of the world are looking going, well, what's for us in this? It's the UK. We can't sign into British cycling accounts and sign up and get the benefits of this. And uh, secondly, if it was to be called exactly what it is in regard to the national championships, it's not really the e-cycling national championships. It's not really the e-sports. It's the British cycling Zwift national championships. Look, this, because to me, the sport of e-cycling has to represent all players, not just one company. We're not seeing national championships held exclusively on specialized bikes. That's kind of absurd. So it's kind of a weird one, the way the way this sits for me. But I mean, as usual, there's some decent points there. I mean, in terms of promoting it only in the UK, I think you have a point there. And in the way that that, that, that that digital audiences can be segmented, that could be a relatively easy thing to do. However, you know, I do think there's a reason behind this. I think this is 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 flying a great big flag to all the other national federations saying, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, saying, look, jump on board. On a positive note, this will act as a really good framework for other cycling federations to review and implement themselves in the future. 
but they've got to be careful, be that with Zwift or with other e-cycling platforms. Zwift would want to get in pretty quick with everyone else because I'm sure if this works out really well, you'll have other platforms going, hey, Cycling Australia, partner with us. You know, Hey, Cycling USA, partner with us. And it might not be Zwift. I mean, I think one thing that might happen, actually, is the members of the respective federations might approach the federations themselves. There's nothing to stop you. I'm sure you're a member of Cycling Australia, Shane, from tweeting Cycling Australia and saying, hey, guys, why are you not doing what BC's doing? Nathan, I hear whispers, and I don't know how true they are, but I hear whispers that the American National Federation USA Cycling is, 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 is not that keen. Uh, I mean, that may be depends on who you talk to at USA Cycling, and I may well be completely misrepresenting them here, but I, I, I understand they're not quite at the getting it stage yet. Would that accord with what you know of them? There is a history I will speak of of just feeling like um, they've got their plan and, 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 and they've got their plan. So, and their users are kind of like, what's going on? I think they're probably just sitting back and waiting because they've got enough on their hands. Like they've got, like, I, I really think as far as USA Cycling goes, they're probably like, well, we're overwhelmed enough. We've got national championships going on with cycle, cyclocross and these other things. And we're just going to do our thing that we're really doing well at right now because they are starting to do really well at responding to the community in some areas that I'm seeing and uh, to take another thing on maybe is like, well, we might get a lot of lashback here. Now I do agree hundred percent with your point though, Simon, that I think that there's going to be people going to their national federations that are part of the Swift community going, why don't we have this? What's going on? And if the national federations hear that and they see a benefit to their, you know, membership and involvement of the community through a virtual platform, because really I think a lot of times disconnectedness to your national federation and what it means for cycling is a huge barrier for both the federation and the person who is a member to really feel like they're getting anything, anything out of it. And to be honest, the UK and British cycling, from what I've seen from afar, does one of the best jobs in the world at creating a good cycling culture. I mean, I think it's a big deal, if only for the validation that comes from having British cycling's name attached to virtual bike racing because they must have thought long and hard and deep about that. I mean, you know, the, the BC brand is, is valuable. You know, this, this is a brand that's associated with people winning, winning clean on bikes, you know, particularly on the track. Um, so to see, it, uh, to see that brand lent to, to, to the forum of virtual cycling, to, to me, looks like a big deal. I have to say, I do think it looks like a big deal. I might be biased because I'm British, uh, but I do think this is a huge feather in, in Zwift's cap. Um, interestingly, I asked uh, James Young whether this deal with Zwift, uh, with British Cycling, had any degree of exclusivity about it. In other words, did it preclude any other federations from entering into a similar partnership? And the answer was absolutely not. So the door is open for other federations. Um, that race series, indeed the live finals, should be some spectacle and one that all Zwifters of any nationality can get involved in to some extent. They may not um, be able to compete if they're not British, but uh, they can certainly get involved on a spectator level. Uh, credit where it's due. Good move, Zwift. Right on! Right. Knee news. Um, I know you're both desperate to know. Um, <laughs> and it's still completely... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know you've been looking forward to this point in the script. Uh, it's still completely crocked, actually. 
It's completely my fault. Um, I need to rest and I haven't rested. Uh, I've been off the bike and I remain off the bike, uh, but I've been very, very active uh, doing something which has required me <laughs> to run up and down several flights of stairs about a million times a day, uh, very often carrying, carrying large, heavy objects, um, which has had fairly predictable results on my left knee. Um, I can't rest boys i mean even if i did, it didn't have this thing on that required me running up and down stairs i just can't rest I, to me rest is the world's worst four letter word i i hate it i just can't do it can you rest shane you know when you're told that you need to rest to to cure an injury can you can you actually can you actually do that yeah, look, as an Aussie, I've got a few other four-letter words, but I won't repeat those. Uh, look, I, I can rest for sure. My resting FTP is at an all-time high, so no <laughs> problems at all having time off the bike. <laughs> but what do you do? What, I mean, what do you do if you're not, you know, how do you fill your time? Yeah, I mean, can you sit down and do nothing? I just can't do that. Yeah, it's called Final Cut Pro, and it takes up most of my day <laughs> editing video. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Nathan, are you good at resting? Uh, not so much because of the other four-letter word, food. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I mean, no, not really. I mean, I, the guilt starts to come in. I, it's weird that it's guilt, but it is. Yeah, it's if you're just guilt, honest. Yeah. It's it's. And and there's just the reality, though, that we were made to move, we're made to sweat, and you start just kind of feeling that extra layer of sweat underneath your skin. And then when you go to work out, you have that, like, pins coming through feeling when it when you haven't for a while, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I should have been doing this. My pores are all close. So, you know, there's just that reality of, like... We need it. It's 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 a part of the body's maintenance in the same way that I should eat, in the same way that I should sleep, in the same way you know you know that those you know play or working out or not rest. So there's a, now there is a reality of like we as athletes tend to like not understand that we overdo it. <laughs> so uh, I think we need to uh, balance, be balanced with that word rest a little bit more because we don't understand that the body also needs to take a break for those of us that ride our bikes 20 hours a week sometimes, which is it is it's super important. But I, I mean, there's a difference between rest when you're just having a rest day because you know, you're going to be riding the other days and, looking at a period of you know two whole weeks or three whole weeks or god help us four whole weeks where you just think i'm not allowed to get on a bike at all i mean that that just drives me crazy anyway this is actually pertinent to our next discussion because uh thanks to my knee um i remain at level 25 i've no idea where i sit in the new zwift level hierarchy I can't get on the damn bike. But we do have a new target, level 50, introduced a good few days ago now, it must be said, to a degree of confusion. Uh, not amongst all Swifters, but some Swifters were, were a little confused. And um, that's because you get a choice. Um, you could be uh, what I think has been termed an accelerator, which meant that all the XP you've stored, if you've been at level 25 for some time, which is quite a few people, could, that could zoom you up to your correct level, I, I think eight times the normal rate if you chose to be an accelerator. Um, there's a very good in-depth explanation of this on the Zwift Insider website, for those who want the, uh, the real details. Or you could choose to do it the hard way by just progressing at normal speed, regardless of the number of your banked XP, if that makes sense. I think it does. There is method in this, though, Nathan, because it's all bound up with what we know uh, is now going to be called drops, which will be the in-game currency for Zwifters coming. I believe the word is soon. Um, and I do, I do think this whole levelling thing has got, has got a relationship with all that. But 
Uh, long preamble, short question. Did Swift get this one right? Oh, I did a big long live stream on this where I like both praised and complained the entire time about not having <laughs> my levels now. Right. Get off the fence. I, I'm still I can't get off the fence because there's a part of me and take why well, I don't understand why you wouldn't take the acceleration like you earned that. It's about time. Leveling is about time. And I've already put the time in. And now I got to put the time in again. I understand that it's banked somewhere. Okay. Uh, now, at the same time, there is a lot of fun where, like, I was riding during the live stream and I had to complete the lap. Now, I didn't just because I was like, well, there's more experience on the line. And I was like, oh, I need to go through this next thing. And it, so it does. Zwift is definitely leading me in and drawing me into Zwift more, which is in Zwift's interest, which is great, too, for the gaming side of things and people staying involved and all that kind of stuff. That's a good incentive. At the same time, I do feel cheated. I put this time in, and now i got to put the time in again. When, when, when you say, no, just to stop you there, when you say when you've, got, you, you've, you've still got to put the time in, you mean you've got to put one-eighth of the time in to get... Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You're right. Yep, you're right. I have to put one or whatever it works out to be. It might even be less than that, actually. And I, and that's great. And I think that's really cool in between ground. I still have a lot, but because it's a huge amount for some of us, and it is a small number, but it's a huge amount for some of us that we dig bank, that time then gets like banked somewhere and... I have to still redo all of that. Not, not redo all of it, but a certain amount of it. And that certain amount of it is a lot still. Yeah, no, no, I can see that. I can see that. So Shane, uh, Shane Nathan's point is I've, I've got the XP points and you're still making me do something else to get them even though they're mine already. I mean, to the mathematically challenged like me, I mean, I, I just can't do numbers. Numbers are not my thing. Words are my thing, not numbers. It, it, this did seem a little bit complicated but but really, it's not, is it? Um, do you think they got it right, Shane? No, I don't. It's all too hard. And I'm a little bit snarky on this one because I had just the other week, and I just noticed this because it was quite an interesting number, I just reached 500,000 XP, which is, in today's money, exactly level 50. So I thought, oh, cool, I'm like 500,000 XP. That's, that's a nice little... And then I log in and find out I'm booted back to 110,000 points like everyone else, and I have to go through some kind of undocumented acceleration process through to level 50. But then we discover it's not just that. There's some other hidden banking and tallying taking place at the same time. It's all too hard, way too hard. For me, it's a training platform. I want to jump on, ride my bike, get it done, and then go on about my day. Um, now, I would have gone with level 100, and called it a day. I don't care about getting a new pair of socks at every single level or a new pair of sunglasses I'll never wear in game. Um, I just, yeah, I assume the unlocks and the um, the incentive for unlocks were a driving force to keep the levels to only 50 because they had to create a new thing every time you unlock something. But for me, they could have just kept it exactly the same, put it up to level 100, and then Tim Searle would have been at level 100. I would have been back at my level uh, 50. And happy days, but well, I, I, I've got some sympathy with that. It's all too hard, and it's all very complicated. To be quite honest with you, I've not had the mental bandwidth to sit down and work it out. Actually, nor 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 obviously the incentives. Is I'm not currently riding a bike, but it, it it did seem a little bit complicated. But I figured it was complicated for a reason, because I I, I do think it is. There is going to be some intrinsic and, and, and very important link between this and, and drops, the in-game currency that's coming up. So 
Maybe they do have our best interests at heart, Nathan, but they've just not explained that very well. Yeah, I'd have to agree slightly with that, that there's uh, some things coming down the road. I, You know what Shane said, though, that I go back to the 110,000 experience and it's banked somewhere. And then I know I'm, I'm beating a little bit of a dead horse, but then what about when I hit 500,000 and I'm still over 500,000? Do I still have that? Like, I don't know if I like, does, does everything that I've banked up go away then? Or then on the next level expansion, do I have that extra banking still? Is it still sitting there somewhere? More, more, well, it's a system that seems to generate more questions than answers, which, you know, may not be optimal. I mean, when I eventually get back on the bike, which I'm, I'm actually sort of a bit scared to do, actually. It's funny, isn't it? When you, I'm sure I've lost fitness, and I'm, I'm kind of dreading finding out how much fitness I've actually lost. But when I do eventually get back on, I'll, I'll find out my new level. But uh, you boys must know what yours is. Where, where are you then currently, Nathan? Uh, level 27, 27 and a half. I've ridden, you know, probably three to five hours a week right now. So I'm not really super focused. I'm going to start getting a little more focused this week, I believe. But uh, yeah, 27 and a half. But you should, have en- you should have enough points banked by the extra bits that you've got to do. I've almost got a million. I've almost got a million. Right, so you I must think. be level so... 50. And, and Shane, you must be level. You must be level 50, but you've still got to do this extra bit of work to get there. Yeah, so back to level 25. Um, oh, sorry, it remains on level 25 with my acceleration through to level 50. So I'm still level 25, though. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it is a bit confusing, isn't it? Okay, um, all right. Uh, well, maybe we'll come back to that. Right, the avalanche of new stuff in this episode just keeps on coming, actually. And apologies to listeners not in the USA this time. I've already had to apologise to listeners outside of the UK, uh, now outside of the USA, because um, currently this is only available in the USA. It's the Zwift e-commerce platform, uh, known colloquially as an online shop. Finally, you can buy a Zwift t-shirt, Uh, but you can buy a whole lot more. Trainers, jerseys, bibs, another kit. Uh, The new Zwift branded foot pod. It's a veritable emporium, listeners. That's what it is. What's it all about then? I asked the man who helped to make it all happen, who's Jeff Velderhusen, the VP of e-commerce at Zwift. It's been about eight or nine months in the making to figure out what the shop should look like, how it should interact, an extension of not only the brand, but, you know, kind of fill that void in the consumer experience. Finally, we can buy a Zwift t-shirt after all this time. (laughs) Yeah, I know there was a lot of pent-up demand on that one. Obviously, it's a conventional shop, but it's more than a a shop, isn't it? There is this hand-holding, signposting, guiding aspect to it. From the moment a customer, a a prospective Zwifter comes to Zwift to figure out what it is and then what do they need and then how do I get it, we want to deliver like an 11-star experience, right? And if we can do that from end to end, from the moment they come to Zwift all the way to the point where they have their first Zwift ride experience in home, if we do that right, they'll have a way better first ride and they'll have so much more fun 
And the idea is if we do that right, they'll tell more of their friends. It's, it's been rolled out only to North America so far, Jeff. Uh, rest of the world, when, when do you think that, uh, you know, UK in particular, I know it's about 40% of the Swift market. When, um, when will we in the UK be able to shop online at Zwift.com? Full, full stop, it will probably be like hardware, apparel and accessories. Um, it'll be in the, in the pretty short term. We're working on sort of what I call is like the magic recipe for us. You know, we want to make it easy for you to find what you need, easy to buy and then easy to set up and go. Once we get that finalized in the next short little while, we're planning to scale into new markets. UK is the first one uh, for us. And then we get into the rest of Europe um, quickly after that. And then those in the, in the southern hemisphere for their um, big season, too. I've got to congratulate you there, Jeff, because you said uh, pretty near term, uh, quite short while. And not once did you did you use the word soon. <laughs> I've learned to come up with other ways to say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it has been live in in North America for a a little while now. How's it going? I mean, is is traffic good? Are sales high? Is it everything you expected? I mean, early days, obviously. Yeah, the site is doing really, really well. We had a small assortment of of trainers leading up to this. So like our version one of e-commerce, we just had um, Cyclops, uh, the Hammer and the Magnus in these um, really easy bundles. We expand the assortment to all brands now. And I think we're we're learning a lot about just sort of like consumer's preference once you've got it all there and we're trying to set it up in an easy way. And we're, we're trying new things every day. So what you see this week on the site may be very different than what you see next week. And that's all part of perfecting the model before we scale. Thanks, Jeff. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Sam. Um, as much about hand-holding and signposting and guidance as it is about contributing to the bottom line. Interesting, Shane. And that was what Eric Min said in the interview, um, uh, which was the last episode of the Riffcast. I also see this 0% finance on trainers there, 0% down, uh, 0% interest, which will be very, very attractive to some people. Um this is all about reducing the famous friction, is it not? Uh, maybe. Maybe this inter- uh, reduces some of the friction for people in the US, but until they uh, yeah, unbox their new trainer and have Ant Plus dropouts and spin down issues and cancel their through axle or their PC has some sort of unsupported Intel graphics card, it's always going to be there. Look, purchasing equipment has never been a blocker globally. Trainer companies have been distributing trainers for years. I think truly to address the friction issue, we need to start talking to Zwift about publishing true documentation, professional how-to guides on the platform and the equipment, and the equipment itself being Apple or even Google-like easy to set up. If you've ever set up a recent or a brand new Google device, it is phenomenally easy. Google Wi-Fi, it just takes you through and nothing can go wrong. It's beautiful. But look, let's call this what it is. E-commerce site is an alternative revenue source for Zwift, and it's a place where people can go get their Zwift t-shirts, which they've always wanted. True. I mean, I think that they are seeing it as a little bit more than an alternative revenue source. And, and, you know, again, Shane, I think we have to sometimes just walk a mile in another man's shoes, as they say. We have been at this a long time, and we've probably, you know, troubleshooted and solved most problems that that there are to solve. And we're a bit kind of blasé in our knowledge because you know, without bragging about it, we've, we've got quite a lot of it. But but just think about that person. I mean, I, I literally saw this post on Facebook the other day. Um, I'm brand new to Zwift. I've no idea. I mean, I, I think this person didn't even know what a turbo trainer was. You know, do I use my own bike? I mean, it was all those kind of questions that, that, that we would look at and they just wouldn't even register with us because because our knowledge is so much more advanced. 
I mean, there are still a lot of people in the world like that, Chen. I would have thought who for whom this will be a great resource. Yeah, they can jump online and find out what they require um, to get online. It gives them, but it's still no different to walking into a good bike store um, or, walk, or just clicking through to a, a website online that sells trainers. Um, there's a lot of trainers out there now actually doing this, stepping people through exactly what they need for the Zwift experience. I think Zwift have even partnered with websites, or they have before they put their e-commerce site up, um, to people, yeah, to step people through the ant plastic if they need that, the trainer, the cassette, the tools for that. Um, I mean, look, it's a good thing. If, if, if it gets more people on Zwift, more people riding bikes, it's a good thing. Um, I don't think it's going to be the absolute Peloton style, let's pull this out of a box and it's just going to work for us, not with our current technology. Well, yeah, that's probably a separate problem to solve to, to, to an extent. 0% finance nation, that always attractive to people, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I think, uh, you know, yeah, the friction thing is a good, uh, good talk there, I think, talking point. I think, you know... They used to you used to go to Zwift.com and there was this video that like had Mike McCarthy's voiceover on it. And here we go. What you need. It's still there. So they have the what you need video still there. Click the play and it tells you everything that you need. I think they need to integrate that into the shop a little more. Like, hey, here's these trainers. Here's what you here's what you actually need here though, and, and how it works, kind of a thing. Um, that does need to be there around the around the gear. Video how-tos. Now, I mean, they are the modern manual, aren't they? I mean, I used to have a little drawer in my house where I kept instruction manuals for various, you know, things, cookers, large things that you bought that had a big price tag attached and a great big thick instruction manual. I, used to, I actually used to have one of the, a box file with, that I kept instruction manuals in, but, you know, they don't exist anymore, do they? they you know, they, we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where you go onto YouTube and look for the YouTube video of somebody setting up, you know, everything from your new oven to your <clears throat> brand new turbo trainer. So I, I, I mean, we got a guy here on the podcast with us that just does that. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> I've done no ovens. I've done no ovens at all. I've done a coffee machine and <laughs> the coffee machine video I've done is doing really well, actually. Exactly. And, and, you know, I still think Zwift needs to, need to, need need to do more of that but i think they know that i like the gear though the shop though the shop is great actually it's uh a lot of people were asking for this yeah yeah they were it's very slick and uh uh, regardless of your views on uh, popsicles uh, it's it's all very well presented and and looks very nice um anyway talking of trainers which we were uh, shane you've been in holland with your great friend ray maker and with tax i think uh, any juicy gossip for us? I know you went to you went to the tax factory. The Neo Smart Bike, to absolutely nobody's surprise, um, is now not due till January. I understand. I mean, at Eurobike they did say it was going to be coming out in, in I think October, which I always thought was crazily ambitious. Um, and last I heard, January. It, do you hear the same? Yeah, they were just putting the final production units together. There was 10 of them there on the uh, in the factory floor, um, which I saw being put together. I said to them, look, I'm in town for a week. If you have one of these put together by the end of the week, let me know. I'll come back out here and we'll do an initial Llama lab test on one. They just didn't meet the timeline. I had to get back on the plane before I got there. So coming very soon. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, in regard to the other trainers, I think we've seen everything we'll see this trainer season. Um, there is a trainer from Elite floating around that we haven't seen much of, a little one called the Zumo. Um, limited availability in the US, and uh, we haven't seen a review from either myself or Ray of this trainer yet, even though we both have one. So, hmm. what is it? What is it? What, it's a little, it's a baby. Der- 
it's a baby Dorito or a baby Doretto. So a little bit lower price point. Again, it's only limited availability in the US. So there's not a lot to talk about. And there's not, and I guess we haven't seen a lot from Elite about it. But um, that's probably the only one we haven't seen of this season. Um, yeah, I think we've seen everything else. Big thing this season will be the Tux Smart Pack when it eventually uh, arrives, which, um, um, as I say, unofficially, I heard January, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if that's uh, if that's delayed. And judging on what you just said, they, they don't appear to be ready to ship this out in very, very large numbers yet. Um, uh, interesting you mentioned Elite, though, Shane, because a uh, great admirer, as I am, of your exhaustive trainer tests on YouTube... Um, I'm offering this next feature, which is about Elite, as, as a bit of a companion. Your tech tests and Llama Lab stuff are absolutely the best. So this is kind of the opposite. Uh, not, <laughs> not the opposite. Not the opposite of the best, the, like the worst. But <laughs> the opposite in, 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 in it's not tech. It's not tech-based at all. It's a kind of trainer review for the non-technical, if you like. The kind of conversation you might have with a mate over a beer. Um, I arranged for a long-term Swifter and real-life racer, Stu Crawford, to have an Elite... Diretto for just under a year, run a long-term test. He's had that trainer in 10 months now. Uh, so let's hear what he thinks of it. Here's Stu. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcaster, Stu Crawford. Hi, Stu. Hi, Simon. First, a, a simple, straight question, Stu. Do you like the Diretto? Yes, I do. Well, that's a good start, isn't it? What do you like about it? Well, having come from a, a B-Call uh, previously, which isn't uh, the best of trainers, as a lot of people will tell you, um, it's very uh, responsive. I suppose the road feel, you'd call it, is is a lot better. It's night and day compared to the B-Call. It reacts to gradient changes well. Uh, I do a bit of racing on Zwift as well, and it also reacts quite well to, to surges in races. And um, if you get towards the back, uh, and you realise you're drifting off the back of the bunch, you can get back on uh, a lot easier than you could with my old trainer. So, yeah, overall, the experience is a lot better. I very, very kindly, me. I thought I arranged for this to be, to, be, to be lent to you. But, I mean, if you'd paid your own money for this, would you have been happy? Yes, I think I would. I can't, I can't honestly see a lot of fault with it. I don't think having used the model above the Drivo before, I don't really see that much difference in it. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you compare it with the with, with the super premium model, the Drivo. I mean, how much experience did you have on the Drivo? Uh, only a couple of goes. I've got a friend who had one, so I uh, went on it a couple of times when I was shopping around uh, for a replacement for the Beagle. And um, I was considering pulling the trigger on it, but it was pretty expensive. And having tried the Dorito, <laughs> to use the common term for it, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, think um, I can't see enough benefit to pay the extra 250, 300 quid. And do you still feel that? Yeah, um, I've not. There's nothing in my experience with Dorito so far that's made me think um, if I had that extra money, I'd spend it on uh, the driver uh, as opposed to. Uh, another set of wheels from a bike, for instance. <laughs> Do you look around at like what other brands are offering in the same space? Because in this space, that this price point, I mean, it is super competitive. Do, do you look around covetously at other trainer brands and think, mm, I, maybe I ought to have the core or, you know, the tax flux, God, whatever it is now, X or s or i don't know whatever the, whatever the equivalent tax is or, or do you feel like i'm happy with what i've got uh yeah i think i'm happy i don't learn there's nothing compelling uh, with tax or wahoo or anybody else's offerings around about that price point that i think that i'd want to move away from it for um i think 
Um, I don't think any of them really simulate gradients any higher than the Dorito does at 14% uh, to any great deal. Um, I don't think, um, I mean, I can hit over 1400 watts in a max sprint, but I'm not realistically going to be doing that on a trainer anyway. So I don't think I'm worried about that either. So no, there's nothing compelling out there that makes me think I should switch. So you really are a happy bunny with this, aren't you? Uh, Pretty much. There are, obviously, there are some uh, some negatives as well. They're not massive, but they are. There are a couple out there. Um, Go on, tell uh, me. Well, I've had the um, a little bit of shredded black rubber on the outside of the housing. Um, not very often, but I've seen it a couple of times, and I'm led to believe that that might be a a specific consistent problem with this model. So it could be that the resistance belt uh, doesn't last maybe as long as uh, as another trainer's would. Replaceable item, I guess, though. Yeah, so it, I suppose it's like a consumer, wouldn't it? On, his, on a, if it would be a bike, it'd be a cassette or something on a, on a bike. And um, there is a there is a there's a bit of difference in the power meter reading. So because I have a power meter on my race bike, and I also have the same power meter, um, so basically I use the same the bike that I race on on the turbo as well. Uh, and they the Duretto consistently reads about 15 watts higher. So just because I need to maintain the consistency for, for training peaks and stuff for workouts, uh, I only ever use my own power meter as a power source. If if I only had the Duretto and didn't have another power meter, then it wouldn't be an issue. It would just read slightly higher. But that's pretty much the only the only drawbacks, I think, to it so far. And I've been using it for, what, nine months, ten months? Well, we were in danger of getting technical there. But, <laughs> but I guess at, at least the consistent overread is consistent. Because because that that would be a problem otherwise. Yeah, they track it tracks well between the two. So if I have my Garmin reading my uh, my vectors, and then I have the Duretto on using the power source there, it literally tracks fifteen between fifteen and eighteen watts consistently higher. And strangely, it doesn't seem to vary with the effort I'm putting in either. So if I'm really hammering it, it still reads about fifteen watts over. The graphs are consistently fifteen twenty watts apart. So if you want to find 20 easy watts, buy a Dorito. Uh, yeah, and uh, don't use your power meter. <laughs> uh, excellent. Okay, well, really great to get you know a, a reviewing human, not to take anything away from Shane's excellent, review, excellent reviews, but a reviewing human from somebody who's who, who spent a decent length of time on it. So final question. I guess if I ask you for this back, you, you're, you're going to start dodging my calls. Uh, sorry, you're breaking up, Simon. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> thanks very th- thanks very much for your time Stuart cheers thanks Simon bye okay uh, well I don't think that's going to trouble your uh, your empire Shane <laughs> that style of review but it's sometimes just interesting I think to to talk to people uh, you know like I say as you would do if you were kind of having a beer in the pub with them um, and Stuart's obviously very very happy with his Dorito uh, okay so I am just pulling up in front of me this press release um, which actually is due for release about two hours after we're recording, but before the Swiftcast is published, so we're okay talking about it. And here we go. Zwift launches first eSports Pro Cycling League. First five professional teams unve- unveiled for the new KISS Super League Championship. Uh, I mean, just in the heading alone, there's a lot of information there. So... Uh, the KISS Super League Championship is completely new to me. I think it's completely new to the public. I don't think it's um, been revealed before. Um, a press release is kind of written so uh, everybody knew what that was. But um, but 
But but here it is, the brand new Kiss Super League. Nathan, what can you tell us about this? Oh, uh, I'm not sure what I can tell you about it besides what's in the <laughs> press release, to be honest. But I'm super excited and I cannot wait to be involved in uh, the um, racing that's going to be happening on Zwift. Let me see what's in Let me read this through here. So... Well, I mean, this is, I mean, to, to put this in context and take it out of press release speak, this is pro cyclists racing on Zwift in a league. Well, hold on. The KISS Super League was teased early in November with the first live live race set to take place at the launch event in London, January 23rd. Zwift and KISS, the Zwift event organizer. Remember, KISS is a community organization, and they've always been about the community, right? And now pro teams are getting involved. Plan to reveal additional men's pro teams elite women's league and amateur leagues over the coming weeks. So this is not just about pro. Yeah. So I would, I would, I'm teasing, I'm teasing that out there too, just because it is in there. So I can say that, that I wouldn't just say that this is about pros only and think about how cool the mixing up can be of that as well with the community getting involved too. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work or anything like that, but it's talking about amateur leagues being involved in some sort of a way with this, this super league launch. So super exciting and big events. Absolutely. It is. Let's just tell people, um, again, the press release in dribs and drabs, which is probably best than getting in a huge slap. Let's tell people who the, who the teams unveiled are the pro teams and their team Wiggins Canyon DHB presented by Bloor Homes, Hagen's Berman Axion, and Team Dimension Data for Quebec Under 23, uh, with more pro teams to be announced, as well as an elite women's league, very important, and as Nathan just said, amateur leagues. So this is a big deal. I mean, this is a very big deal. Uh, quoted in this is uh, Huggins Berman Axiom team owner one Axel Merckx. Yes, that Merckx. He is Eddie's son. Uh, our team is super excited about joining the Kiss Super League, he says. Um, as we're supporting domestic pro cycling in the US, Europe and Australia is fantastic news for our sport. Difficult to disagree with that, Axel. Um, and here's the here's the, the teaser at the end of the press release. This is from Eric Min. We have big plans for Zwift and eSports here. And we knew that, Eric. (laughs) We've been consulting with the cycling industry and there's lots of excitement around what we have planned for next year. I can't wait for people to know everything we have planned. But for now, he says, intriguingly, you'll just have to wait and see. Shane, this, this is... I mean, how many times have we discussed, you know, Zwift's stance towards racing? Well, here is the absolute definitive position. Um, Zwift are going to be promoting, organising, hosting, no doubt arbitrating, judging, um, bike racing on the platform involving pro teams, uh, uh, a domestic level to start, but clearly more to come, um, as well as um, ordinary riders. I mean... I think by any stretch, that's quite a big announcement. Yeah, look, quite interesting stuff. And for me, what stands out there above everything else is uh, what Nathan pointed out there, the amateur leagues, because pro men's teams, pro women's teams, under 23 pro team, they're paid to race. That's what they do. They race. That's their job. Whereas the amateur league is something for all of us to get involved with. So anybody who's on Zwift from the entry level racer right through to like the category A level amateur racer on Zwift, if we can get involved, that's pretty cool. That's what I'll be keeping an eye on for sure. 
Partnering with KISS, which is no great surprise, Nathan, but that is clearly, in some sense, an obvious move, but it's definitely a smart move. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're extremely experienced with this. I mean, ZwiftPower.com and all that they've gotten done with that. I mean, they've led the way from the get-go and uh, really well-respected within the community. One of the most attended events as well, so just putting the name on it and also having the um, crowd that is within their socials and within their contacts list and all that kind of stuff is going to be a help to get the word out there. And at the same time, keep, um, you know, there's, there's this partnership going on of like whose responsibility stuff thing that we always talk about. And, um, I think bringing them in, in, in more of an official way though, like this is, is, uh, going to solidify, I think, um, I don't know, just kind of like what, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like, is this that I guess that raises the question is Kiss responsible or is Zwift responsible with an official release like this? It kind of seems a little bit more toward, and with the pro teams on there, it seems a little bit more toward a both end. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I that's a, that's one of the questions that would have to be raised because I know in the, in the past it's always kind of been like, well, we keep the community the ones who are making the official results around stuff. But I mean, with pro teams and stuff getting involved here, I think the expectations go way up. And uh, like you said, though, Kiss is definitely the one to bring in to help with that uh, as those expectations do go yeah, up. Yeah. What do you mean there? Do you, do you mean like Kiss maybe effectively moving in house? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm I'm not saying that. But it does look like um, partnership slash contract work that has higher expectation, perhaps. You know, that that's what it looks like. I, I don't know anything about a kiss going in-house anyway whatsoever like that, but um, I... But a, a, a more formal Yeah, a much more formal thing. relationship yeah. that raises yeah. the expectations yeah. where it's not just, well, a community event and who cares. You know, at, at the end of the day, not necessarily who cares, but it's not Zwift official... So therefore, if something's kind of wacky and the community is complaining about it, it's pushed off onto the community organization. Okay, let's just end this little section because Eric invites this, so he can hardly blame us if we speculate. Uh, I can't wait for people to know everything we have planned, but for now you'll just have to wait and see. Well, yeah, we will wait and see, Eric, but it doesn't, doesn't stop us speculating. Shane, if they've already signed up domestic teams, the most obvious extrapolation should one care to speculate would be moving up the food chain to world tour teams possible mm, don't know i hope so it'd be interesting to see them on board um but again the pro teams they, they race outside that's what they do that's like that's the entertainment for us bringing them inside It'll be interesting to see as a, as a bit of a spectacle. Um, as for a league, I'm not quite sure. Winter we shall league? see. Winter league for pro teams? Yeah, ma- yeah maybe off season. But um, again, the pros also need to be careful that you know, they don't suffer from what we suffer from, which is a bit of burnout. You can't yeah. be on top of your game all the time. But I mean, there's enough cyclists around. Maybe they spin it off. Um, maybe have some of the the the, um, the neo pros come through or the the young up and comers. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. like what we see at Tour Down Under every year. We see sort of not the top level. We see a, a few you know stars there, but we see sort of the the second second layer, I guess you call them. Um, so yeah. Yeah. maybe there's room for that. We shall see. Or maybe drawing a parallel with a, a sport close to your heart, cricket. I mean, what you see now is that you have. You have effectively test players and and one day international players and and you know, 
Uh, so, so the England or the Australian team may have a, a big squad, but some of that squad are only play one one day internationals, and some play Test cricket. Oh, so right, maybe, yep. you know, maybe World Tour teams could have that kind of makeup. I'm I know gonna, exactly what I'm you're talking go, about. Having watched the uh, Test this afternoon in Perth. Oh, sorry, I was just saying. Yeah, I sat down on the couch this afternoon watching their second Test in Perth, and uh, yep, that analogy works perfectly for me. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, you're going to say? Well, I'm. <sighs> I think we're downplaying a little bit the potential. I mean, okay, I do agree, like, as it was alluded to in with, with British Cycling and, and also, um, you know, well, this is early days. This is really early days. I've always said, though, that the platform and the immediate accessibility of the ability to put this everywhere at once um, has a huge marketing uh has a huge marketing scheme for any pro team to get involved with and the yeah, timing yeah. being february and march or, or you know january february march area is a great lead-in to when your intensity needs to start building anyways in a pro in, in a, a pro race year um as far as your scheduling goes for training I, I just i think there's a lot of potential here that maybe sometime down the road way in the future that this is as big or even the Dollars, because the dollar talks, man. That's just the reality that money talks in this world. Very good cycling point. Isn't super rich. Yeah. So cycling isn't super rich. Like they have to get big sponsors to make it happen. And if the name can get out there better than it can get out there in, like if if it's just stats, if you just look at the just the numbers about how somebody who's in marketing says, where did my brand go? How many people saw it? All that kind of stuff, you might see more money in this than you see in traditional cycling outside. So yeah, I, no, I, I think it's a good point. It's good yeah, point. I, I, mean, I wouldn't downplay that. Yeah. I, I, in a week when we've seen the traditional financial model of cycling, well, collapse is probably the wrong word, but put under enormous pressure when, when Team Sky have lost their sponsor, it looked to me clearly to have shocked Brailsford uh, that and, 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 and the, the prominent riders. I don't, actually don't think they saw it coming. I mean, they, they, they claimed they did, but I don't think they did. Um, you know, that, that, the, 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 the traditional model of, of cycling finance, which has never been particularly robust, you know, has never looked under greater pressure. So, so uh, I mean, I don't know what the, the financial arrangements will be around a world tour league, but you you know it doesn't take a great deal of imagination to see how that might very well work quite well. Really, really, really interesting. Um, yeah, and no doubt we'll discuss this a little more next episode um, when we get some reaction to it because this is literally, literally hot off the presses, um, but a very, very interesting one. Okay, time to wrap this one up, fellas. Uh, another, gosh, this has been newsy, hasn't it? I mean, right, really proper, lots of proper interesting stuff to discuss not that we don't normally discuss interesting stuff but <laughs> but there has been um, a, a, an avalanche of uh, a tsunami of swift news um uh what's happening in your world shane well speaking of tsunamis i'm still watching this summer storm actually roll through here so uh yeah, more indoor rides, actually, in the next couple of days. It's going to be wet weather. So hopefully I can get my uh, butt into gear and get myself off of level 25. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, 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 two of the three Zwiftcasters stuck on level 25. It's, it's close to embarrassing. Uh, Nathan, you're, you're rescuing us. I'm still busy, obviously, with, with race commentary, mate. I hope you're going to be involved in the, the KISS Super League. 
Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, it looks like that's going to be happening. Um, obviously, we've got about four races a week right now. Uh, we just had, you know, the Zwift Academy finals race yesterday with the women. That was really awesome to watch. That looks like a really heating up situation. We're excited to see who uh, ends up getting the pro contract. Lots of predictions coming my way through uh, private messages all over the place, actually. So uh, that looked to be a, a popular race yesterday. But still a lot of stuff like that. You know, um, we're doing our usual ZCL cast with the community and partnering with the community organizations. And then at the same time, bigger stuff like the Super League and, and planning 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 our, you know, our support, however we can, of that with uh, commentary and productions and stuff. So... Yeah, so that's what's up. Exciting times. This might be the last one before Christmas. So uh, a Merry Christmas to both of you. Um, thank you very much for all your work, uh, contributions and, and, and wisdom that's been dispensed to Zwifters via the channel of the Zwiftcast over the years. I hope we've got another successful year ahead of us. Um, a happy Christmas. Very, very much thank you for everything that you've done this year. And thank you for this episode. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Goodbye, my friends. Thanks, Sam. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. And a couple more thanks before we go. Mostly and mainly to Zwiftcast listeners. Thanks both for listening and indeed for keeping things nice and civilised and courteous in the Zwiftcast listeners group my very favourite place on Facebook. And of course, my thanks to Zwift, who have continued to support the Zwiftcast in 2018. Just the usual reminder that Zwift's support doesn't mean they influence the podcast content. They don't even try, let me assure you. So that's it for 2018. We'll be back in 2019. Enjoy the holidays. Keep on Zwifting, Zwifters.